morning, church. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I feel it's an honor to be invited uh, here in Sarita. It's quite an honor for me. Uh, it's an honor even to my church. Uh, my church elders released me for today so that I can come and share a few words of encouragement. Um, uh, I think most of the things that I will say, I'm happy that we've got church elders. It's a disclaimer. Actually, it's a disclaimer. I will say a lot of things that might be controversial, but they will need to be ironed out later. I'll just present a rough work. Then the church elders will later come in and polish up and do some panel beating to, to, to straighten some of the concepts that I will be discussing. Um, as I was introduced, I'm Emmanuel. And I'll be looking at the concept Emmanuel, which is God with us, Matthew 1, verse 23. It's coincidence that my name is also found in the Bible. It's, it's, it's coincidence, but God is with us. I'll be looking at limiting the unlimited authority. Limiting the unlimited authority. In other words, we have the authority. We have the power. We have the capacity to perform certain things, but we limit ourselves. Um, it's, it's a sad story. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to a community of Christians uh, where I believe Everybody who is here is born again. And it's a person who believes in God. And most people believe that God is God is there. And he answers prayer. We all believe that. And so another thing, um, I, I might not jump, maybe probably what other people might wish. Uh, I will just present my, 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 my concepts in a straightforward manner, as if I am teaching. I won't be preaching, limited preaching, but I'll be explaining concepts, then they will need to be corrected later to be straightened out by the elders. And we all believe that God is real. Otherwise, there is no reason why we should be here. If we had some doubts about the existence and the presence of God, it was going to be impossible to find most elders seated on a Sunday morning, leaving out a lot of business to do at home, just to come here and do nothing. I think that would be impossible. And it, since we believe that God is real, God exists, God does answer prayers, and that can be extracted from the prayers of people. When a person prays, if you listen carefully to the structure and the organization of somebody's prayer, you, you can tell that this person really believes that God is real. Because there is no human, no person can expose his weaknesses or her weaknesses when well, with no hope of solving or of resolving those 
weaknesses. We, we can't just go about telling people our problems. I cannot just start telling you my problems unless if I believe and I trust that you will sort out those problems. So by listening, by merely listening uh, unto somebody's prayer or unto his or her prayer, you can tell that this person fully believes that God is good and God answers prayers. And it's a true conviction. We are convinced that God, if I pray, he will answer my prayers. So if you listen one, you can hear that a person is believing that God heals. We know, we trust that God heals. God delivers. God heals marriages and relationships. God can fix and heal our finances. It just by listening, it just scantily stretching out the profile of prayers, of people's prayers, you can tell that God is real. This person believes that God is there and God will answer. And the sad fact that Christians believe that it's up to God to respond to prayers. It's like we throw our prayers unto God. We give our prayers unto God. And wait to expect God to respond to our prayers with limited um, uh, responsibility on our part. It's not us. We're not involved. It's up to God. If I pray, I'm just a passive recipient. And, and, and such kind of prayers usually leaves Christians in a comfort zone. Because when you pray, you leave out the responsibility, all the entire responsibility unto God. And when you leave the responsibility unto God, your prayer becomes self. You make a self prayer. If God doesn't answer, then you can come up with a lot of reasons as to why the answers were not, I mean, the prayers were not answered. So we just throw in, throw in, throw in to God, give God everything, then we wait and see what God will do. And most of such kind of prayers develop out of misconceptions that we have when we read the Bible out of context. I'm not saying the Bible is wrong. But sometimes reading a verse out of context can develop certain misconceptions. For instance, if you read Psalms chapter 55, verse 7, it says, cast all your burdens unto him and he will sustain you. If you read that verse in isolation, you will think that all what we need to do is to take our problems, give them unto God, then we stay, stand aloof, and wait for God to respond. Just by merely read, reading that verse, certain misconceptions develop. And if you read First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast all your burdens unto him, and he will lift you up. It's another verse, which, ex which if read out of context, uh, it leaves Christians with a lot of misconceptions believing that it is up to God to sort out problems. It is up to God to sort my finances. Mine is to tell him. Mine is to tell him my problems. It is up to God to sort out my marriage or my relationships. Mine is just to tell him, just to expose to him. Then your prayer becomes safe. 
you remain in a safe zone. You don't want to take full responsibility of your prayer. And another verse, which is interesting, is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 29. It come to me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. So we know, right, if I just go to God straight, that's it. I'm done. Come unto me, all that labor, ye that labor, and I will give you rest. If you read that verse, and you read it out of context, it will leave out the part that you are supposed to play in support of your prayer. So it leaves you safe and comfortable. And your prayer leaves you out and you become less responsible. You are not part of the story. You are not part of the prayer answering. And, 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 and it's interesting. In the end, we blame God. If answers are not forthcoming, what do we do? I pray for, for good health, and that doesn't come. I pray for finances, and finances are not forthcoming. I pray for the healing of marriages, healing of relationships, but it doesn't happen. Then who do you blame? Because I made safe prayer, so that means it's up to God. Then we get certain concepts develop certain concepts that it might not be God's time. That's the safe zone for Christians. It's not yet time. God will respond during the rightful moment as if God doesn't understand your problems. God doesn't respond according to your, your need. But if you look at uh, Exodus, when Moses called out to God when they were right facing the Red Sea as well as the Egyptians. God instantly responded and the Red Sea opened. That means our God is accurate, exact, and precise. He comes during the right moment. It's, there is no right time and wrong time for God. As long as if you feel you need that thing, that is the rightful time. That is the rightful moment. So we blame God sometimes for prayers that are not answered. Besides that, sometimes we think maybe we've got imaginary. Because Christians uh, are always ready to fight the devil. They create a devil and they fight the devil. We create the devil and say maybe they are strongholds. Sometimes people fight nothing, believing that they are fighting strongholds. Those are just imaginary things. They are imaginary things. Yes, I do believe. That's why I said disclaimer. I indicated disclaimer. Uh, the elders will have to sort it out to clean it up later. I'll, I'll make uh, strong concepts that will need to be polished up later. It's up to the elders to do that. Amen. Yeah. So sometimes we blame the devil for prayers that are not answered. Sometimes we believe that it, it, the problem is with the sin, with the sin that is in me. Probably there is something that God is not happy about. Let me make it categorically clear. Sin is not an issue. Again, elders will sort it out. Sin is not an issue to those who believe. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There is no condition. I will be with you up to the uttermost end of the world. There is no condition. So sin is not an issue. Then you'll sort it out later when I'm gone. I know uh, that has to be cleaned up here and there. 
So sometimes we, when prayers are not answered, we always feel that, no, maybe there is something wrong. Maybe God is not interested. Maybe it's not the rightful time. Maybe there is a sin in my life. Maybe there, is, there are hindrances somewhere. We think there are hindrances. There, there are some blockages somewhere that need to be flushed out. Yes, I do believe prayers might be blocked somewhere. But where? Prayers are not blocked from somewhere. They are blocked from within. It's from within us. Not from somewhere. That some, we imagine there is somebody who is standing somewhere else who is blocking prayers so that they cannot penetrate. And we even go back to the Old Testament and think that we need to pray until our prayer breaks up a certain wall which is hindering your responsiveness. Yes, if you read it, some other verses in the Old Testament out of context, you might believe that is true. But prayers are not blocked from without. They are blocked from within. So now, here is my concept. The misunderstanding of the issue, the misunderstanding of the issues of prayer and response make us believe that sometimes God is not with us. God has left us. I will read Acts chapter 3 verse 1 where we'll realize that the responses are not coming from outside. It's not up to God to fix things. We have the authority. God is with us. We have the ability to see the manifestations of our desires as long as if Christ atoned for those desires. I cannot pray that God helped me to rob a bank and God responds, because Christ never atoned for that. I cannot pray for things that Christ didn't die for. He committed his life. And maybe when the sister was singing here, he touched a, 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 a touchy issue about the cross. What manner of love is that? That a man can sacrifice his love, life for the sake of his friend. No human being can do that. You sacrifice your own life for the sake of your friends. It's impossible. It sometimes, sometimes brings tears down my uh, uh, eyes when, 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 when I, 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 I think about the issue when God regretted for having created men. You see, we're looking at God and he's saying, Eish, he has a soul. I really regret why did I create man? But he had a solution. Last year, the solution. And said, no, let me sacrifice my own life for their sake. And that commitment, that commitment, belittling your sin, it makes a sin a no issue to those who believe. That's why I say, I'll never condemn you. I'll never condemn you. God will never condemn us. But that doesn't uh, authorize us to continue sinning. If you sin, I, I don't know. It's up to you. You can take up the risk, but you're opening up the doorway for the devil. Not with God. The issue is dealt with. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Let me read. Peter and John went up together into the temple during the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. I'm excited because this church starts praying at nine. 
what a coincidence. It's a fascinating coincidence. During the ninth hour of prayer, a certain man lamb from birth was laid down, was laid daily at the gate called Beautiful to receive arms from the worshippers who entered the temple. We are told later um, that this man was 38 years old. And uh, I, I believe that those were the friends, those were relatives who used to bring him every Sunday or every worshipping day at the gate so that he can receive uh, gifts from those worshippers who were coming in. Uh, Peter, fastening his eyes on the men with John, said, look on us, look on us. And I can imagine the men looking at John, expecting something. That's what the Bible says. He looked at Peter and John, expecting something. Because they said, look on us. Look at us. Look at us. And the men, expecting something from them, Peter then said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Silver and gold have I none. We don't have silver and gold. But such as I have, give I unto thee. I will give you what I have. I don't have money. I don't have silver. Neither do I have gold. But what I have, such as I have, give I unto thee. I will give you what I have. Now let's look at it in context. Peter is saying he's giving this man what he had. And if you read later, Peter tells us that we are of like precious faith. Our faith with that of Peter is the same. Same, same. I mean, it's the same. Same edge. My faith and that of Peter same age, no difference. Such as I have, give I unto thee. Rise up and walk. That's what Peter said. Rise up and walk. He immediately yanked the man. He grabbed him by the hand and he yanked him up. And the man walked. And he entered the temple worshiping and glorifying God. My point of interest is when Peter said, such as I have, what is it that Peter had? So Peter had the authority. He did pray. Most probably, probably if it, it was me or it were me or you, you are going to first of all pray in the name of Jesus now and try to please an angry God. Try to please him so that he forgets about my sins until he smiles. Then I say, God, now in the name of Jesus, I request that this man be healed. But Peter never said that. He had the authority. The believers have the authority. But that authority is not used. It's underutilized. We limit the authority. We limit the ability. Yet the ability is unlimited. 
such as I have, rise up and walk. And the men did walk. And Peter had that. He had something. And he had that ability. So sometimes we pray over things which we need not to pray. We need to command. We need to command. We need to control. We need to, to claim certain things. That's why the Bible says, go unto the world and preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. Not pray for the sick. You will forgive me. Because uh, some will say, uh, eh, eh, there you are. Say, bring the sick to the elders and they will pray for them. The prayer of a believer will heal the sick. Yes, that's that verse. It's the only moment in the New Testament which says people can pray and the person will be healed. But throughout the New Testament, we are told, heal the sick. Heal the sick. We have the authority. Some people say, no, we've been there, young man. I think I'm old enough. <laughs> I'm old enough to say that. You see, when you look at the words of Peter, such as I have, some people might look at it as if there is some arrogance and pride. It sounds as if there is some arrogance. He's super prideful. Not if listened to out of context, we might think that maybe Peter was being arrogant. He was being rude. He wanted to show. Because if you say me now, if you talk too much in, 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 in our cultural setup, the eye character is catastrophic. If you talk too much about saying you, 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 we say no, too much I is catastrophic. If you say it out of context, yes, it's catastrophic. But if you say it with the hope of lifting up Christ, because I must decrease, I must decrease. And he must increase. People must see Christ. God will never allow his word not to produce results. He will protect his word more than protecting you and me. So if you become on the safe zone, it's like you're in a parachute. If you're in the word, in the intent of protecting his word, he will also protect you. And if you're outside his word, he will follow his word, protect it, and you are unprotected. So Peter says, such as I have, and I have it, I have it, you have it, you have the ability, we have the capacity to change things in our lives. We don't have to beg situations. We command situations. We command situations. We tell situations. We command them what we want. We inform them. With that authority, we command them. It's not pride. Because in Genesis, we are told that all authority was given unto Adam. All authority was given unto Adam. And Psalms chapter 82 and Psalms chapter 116, they confirm that all the authority and power was given unto us with no condition. Authority and power was given unto us with no condition. So we have the ability. We do have the authority. But how to utilize it? How to use it? 
That's the problem. Because we think of ourselves more than for the word of God. So if we read in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says, he gave them power. He gave them power and authority against all unclean spirits. The power is not in Christ. He delegated. If I say he delegated, it sounds military because delegation is a military term. Then in professional uh, fields, we say you assign. You assign. He assigned all the power unto us. We were given, we were delegated. When we do it, we won't be doing it for us, but we'll be doing it for Christ. So we're given the power, we're given the authority, as in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, we're give, given the power over all unclean spirits. All. All. All means all. With the exclusion of none. We exclude nothing. All authority is given unto you and me. All the power is given unto us. But fun enough, interesting enough, Christians are sitting on their abilities. We sit on the potentials that we have. And if you read in Matthew 10, verse 7, we, we are told, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, not pray for the lepers so that they can be cleansed, not pray for the sick so that they can be healed, but heal the sick. Heal. It's you who is healing. You are healing on behalf of Christ. You are doing the healing on behalf of Christ. Actually, the glory goes to God, not to you. When you perform some of these things, it's glory given unto God. So the Bible says, freely you are given and freely you must give. And said to say, that power which is within us is underutilized. We are not use, using it. Instead, we cry unto God because we want to be safe. Suppose if I say, rise up and walk, and the person doesn't. So we think for ourselves. We think for us. That's the pride then. What will happen if I say, rise up and walk, and that person doesn't walk? What will people say? What will people say about me? So it's about you. It's about me. It's up, it's up to him. It's up to God. I, I was reading another article written by, um, uh, it wasn't Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, but it was the son-in-law. He said at one time in another meeting, uh, there was a woman with cancer. And she was more, more or less as if she was pregnant, nine months pregnant. And, and, and he said, he, they must bring her up on the stage, and they brought the woman. She couldn't stand. And he said, let her go. And the friends who were holding her said, no, we can't. She cannot stand on her own. He said, let her go. When they, allowed, when they let her go, she fell straight right on her stomach. He said, pick her up. The two ladies picked her up. And he said, let her go. And the lady said, no, we can't. We can't. She will fall again. He said, let her go. And she fell right on the same stomach. She said, pick her up. They picked her up. For the third time, said, let her go. They said, no, we can't. 
you, we can't. We can't let her go. She said, he said, let her go. I understand there was a man who was sitting. He said, hey, you beast. Let that woman, poor woman alone. He said, mind your own business. And I mind my own business. Let her go. For the third time, the woman received her healing. Now, if you look at that situation, and if it were me or you, first time you said, let her go, and nothing happened. Second time, let her go, nothing happened. What would you do? You say, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not God's will now. This woman will be healed later. But because he understood, he understood the authority that was within him. He didn't pray for the woman. He said, let her go. A command, a command. We must learn to command things, command things in the name of Jesus. They will respond. Nature listens to the word that is spoken. The word that comes from the mouth that is connected to the spirit man. Nature allows. Nature listens to that. Because the power was, we were given the power. All authority which was lost due to Adam. When Adam submitted everything to the devil, Calvary brought everything back. We now have it. We have that authority. It is within us. Yes, it's good to pray. It's good to worship. It's good to, we can, there's no substitute for prayer. But similarly, there is no substitute to understanding the word of God. There is no substitute to that. We need to understand who are we? What power do we have? When God says something, if he says, you, we were given power and authority. We were given all the power and authority. It, once God says, I'm giving you, it becomes a covenant. It becomes a law. It cannot be broken. A law is unconditional. It is not situational. Once God says, I've given them power over all unclean spirits, that is within us and it becomes a law. If we read Psalms chapter 89, verse 34, it says, my covenant will I not break. My covenant, what I said, I will never break it. He's an honest God. Luke 10, verse 19 says, I've given you authority to treat upon scorpions. We were given the authority to treat upon scorpions. Hebrews 1, verse 3, it says, he upholds all things by the weight of his power. All things. Nature will disintegrate when God's word becomes untrue. If you look at this mic, it's made up of atoms. Those who know science will agree with me. It's made up of, of atoms. And there is no glue that is keeping those atoms together, those atoms together. But they are held together by the power of God. If the word from God can become untrue, Nature will just disintegrate. It will break up. His word is honored. If he gave us power, then his word is honored. Power was assigned unto us. Power was delegated unto us. And as I said earlier on, 1 Peter 1 verse 1 says, we were given the like precious faith. We are of the like precious faith with Peter. He says, you of like precious faith with us. It's quite interesting. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask. 
If I stop there, you will say, you see, it's God. If I stop there, he is able to give exceedingly, exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask for. If I stop there, then you will say, yeah, there you are. It's God who does it. But if you continue with that verse, it says, according to the power that worketh in us. Meaning that it's proportional to the power that works in us. But we are reluctant to work. We are reluctant to do that. Why are our words, why are we scared to command things? I'm just rounding up. Please indicate to me if I go beyond to the normal. Just show me. Why are we reluctant as Christians to command? This is my own view. Maybe you'll have your own view. My view is that we cannot command things because our lives are departmentalized. We departmentalize our lives. Sometimes we speak good, sometimes we speak bad. If your mouth is connected to the inner man, and if you speak bad on somebody else, it becomes a curse to that person. Sometimes we speak good language. Sometimes we speak the language of the unborn again Christian. So our lives differ. When I'm at home, I speak like this. When, when I'm in a political rally, I speak like this. When I'm with the comrades, I speak like this. So now God cannot, I mean, he cannot delegate, he cannot assign such a, a, a schizophrenic person who doesn't know where his position, where do you stand? Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt words come out of your mouth. Let no corrupt words come out of your mouth. And Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you are a Christian, you don't talk like a heathen. You don't say, hey, the economy is bad. Hey, the economy these days, uh, it's turning upside down. And that person tomorrow wants to say, rise up and walk. You see, the duality reduces the strength of the word of God. You should, we should align our mouths with the spirit man, with the inner person. Whatever I speak, it should be something positive. It should be something positive, something that heals. It should be something that will make somebody live. It should not be a curse. Even the children, we should talk good. We should bless them. Not saying, ah, when I value para when I taught you. It's a shame that I was cursed. I was cursed. In our language, they talk of it in strong language. They say, my intestines were spoiled. I gave birth to a, I don't know whatever I can explain. It's a curse. This child is a curse. And the following day, that person wants to pray for somebody to be healed. Same words coming out from the same mouth. The Bible says, no, it's impossible that fresh water and bitter water can come out from the same spring. It's impossible. So nature responds to words spoken by a believer. Nature responds. 
Even plants, they respond to weather. I was reading a science journal. It's a healthy journal. It was saying that if you talk toxic language about your body, the cells are listening to what you are saying. Your cells are listening to what you are saying. If you talk bad language, the cells, what we call toxic language, your cells open up for cancerous cells to move in because the cell has got a lock system. Every cell is locked up to prevent it from any attacks. And if bad language, toxic language opens up the cells. Say, I am very sick. I, 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 these days it's tough. And your cells are listening to that. They open up and cancerous cells move in. Even plants listen to our voices. They listen to nature. They listen to our voices. When we speak, you can talk to your plants. You can sing to them. They listen to you. If you talk bad language, if you curse, curse plants, curse, you'll find aphids and all those um, pests available within the, the, the garden. But if you talk nicely, tell them what you expect. Sing to them. They produce better fruits. If you do that, it will happen. Go and try it. Go and try it with the spirit connected to your mouth. Try it. Sing. Even if you sing to your children when they are asleep, sing to them. Talk to them when they are asleep. The inner person will understand and you will see changes. Amen. So that's the issue which I, I brought you here that we have got the authority. What is within us, we've got the ability. Yes, we need to pray, but certain circumstances don't need our prayers. They need a command. We need to command them in the name of Jesus. We're given the ability, we're given the capacity, we've got the authority to control, to tell things what we want them to do. Even your finances, you can speak to your debts, you can speak to your, to, to, to your checkbook, you can speak to, 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 to your credit card, you can speak to it, talk to every situation, every situation, it will listen, as long as if it's connected to the spirit. Yes, we need some other people. I know, I acknowledge there are some people who have got gifts. Who can microwave situations. They can microwave situations. But the simple saw and rip process, speak to the issues. Speak to the problems. Talk to every situation. Tell it what you want to do. Don't tell God about the situation. But tell the situation about God. I think that's a popular saying these days. Yes. Amen. Thank you very much. I think God bless you, please.